Everybody, welcome to a soggy freight alley today. We've been getting a lot of rain. A, a lot, lot of rain. Fortunately, it held off for the beginning of the day. Today was uh, back to school over here oh. in uh, this part of Chattanooga. Yeah, summer's over that quick, huh? Kids went in, man. It's it's. Yeah. Uh, How's the little one doing? First day second, kindergarten. Yeah, man. second grade in kinder in kindergarten. So yeah. he's going to the same school as his brother for the first time. It's and very uh, cool. He was all confident because he thought he got to go with him, but they oh. stagger when kindergarten can go in about a half an hour. So he had to be brave and go and do it. But uh, you know. I think I think they're gonna have a good time. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, he's sucking up. They're gonna so rule quick, that school. They're gonna How rule did you school. deal with this? Like, it makes you like it's it's seen it's grow that quick. How did you? Because your kids are growing a little older. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's um, you you start hoping for time to just start slowing down, man. You kind of do. I know. Yeah. I mean, you really you really start. You, I mean, and that's what you got to do. You just start sucking in every little moment you possibly can. Well, you know what's getting to me? I was looking. I'm like, he's yeah. seven, about to go on eight. The oldest one. Yeah. And it's like, ten. I, I can think back to ten years. Like it's nothing. Oh yeah. So ten years forward, they'll be eighteen before I know it. I, I, I can't believe 1984 wasn't yesterday. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, we got a lot to get into today. <laughs> We've got, uh, we're going to get into Uber Freight's roadmap to autonomy. What procurement says about the economy. Is the Tesla semi really coming? Elon says it is. He said that I many times, though. Find out story of the year so far and a whole bunch else on the show. Uh, first, we've got to tip the brand before we go over to Rachel Premax. So here, it's, here it is. Surge Transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Non-competes chase away good talent and stop talented people from joining the supply chain industry. Tear up your non-compete. It is not enforceable. Instead, what you got to do is email jobs at surgetransportation.com. And what are they going to do? You got to open your own office tomorrow. 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 Fleet Waves editorial director, Rachel Premack. Good afternoon, Rachel. Hey, guys. How are you doing? How are you doing? Why, what's all the smiles about? Is it a good morning, good afternoon for you today? Just being friendly for once. Yeah, well, <laughs> it helps. I, I like the I like the change in, uh, in demeanor. Eh. Rachel, it's been a crazy year. You joined us this year at Fleet Waves, and you came on as editorial director, but you covered this industry when you were with Business Insider before you came here. And... Um, I seem to remember back at the beginning of the year, you doing a hawk tweet or two. It's been a year of stories. There's been a few. And to kick things off today, I just wanted to find out from you what you, as editorial director at Freightwaves, think is the story of the year so far. So I think there's two sides of this. I think mm. the trend of the year would definitely be the decline in spot rates. We're really seeing just the end of the COVID fueled retail economy where people are buying so many durable goods, uh, really filling up the ports, uh, you know, causing tons of tons of volume increases for truck drivers, especially owner operators. And that definitely has crashed um, as of the spring or, you know, earlier, you know, March, April, we really saw those spot rates start to come down. So I think that's kind of the big trend of the year is just we're kind of shifting back to a normal economy, extreme finger quotes around normal. Uh, and as for the biggest story of the year, I would have to say it's AB5, just because uh, it's, a, it's a big step in kind of looking at how we employ owner-operators, how this part of the trucking supply chain works, 
And I think it could really, uh, you know, have a lot of implications and effects for the whole independent contractor model that really supports so much of trucking, and especially port trucking. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure yeah. we have Chris Kirchner probably like not to give things away, but he'll probably be turkey of the year. There's still time. Oh, dude, it, for people yeah. to screw up on that level, but he'll probably be turkey of the year. But story of the year for me, and I'll, I'll go to you next. But I don't know. It's, it's still Canada. It's still the protests in Canada. They really stick out to me, and it's and mostly it's oh. because yeah. it came after two years of COVID, and I think that at the time when the drivers did this, they represented more than just drivers upset with COVID restrictions. I think they represented a lot of North America's need or wanting to move on from a lot of what was happening with, with COVID. And I think it was representative of that. And I think that was the, the, the tying glue there too, because we've seen a ton of other protests try to get started and they have been nowhere near that scope. I think yeah. people were just sort of at wit's end and involved our industry. So that was, a, that was a big one that still sticks out to me, despite other stories like the spot market falling apart. Gotcha. What do you gotcha, got? Gotcha. All right. So um, I agree with you guys, but I'm, I'm to be different, I guess, is it's really the uh, bloodbath or not to be a bloodbath in it because it really it, it it has been and it's everything's relative and it really displayed. There's a lot of people on both sides, heated arguments and, and believing on both sides. But it really illustrated to me the the lack of understanding of logistics and supply chains and how they work and how would the time frame in which they have to work and how all that interacts of, of many people who I consider to be very smart before this argument <laughs> yeah. to, tell you, to tell you the truth. I think the one that we're going to look back on and think is one of the biggest stories of this year, or maybe is, is AB5. It's an oppressive government strong arming the, the smaller guys and it's a bad slippery slope to start going down. Yeah. So. That's hard to argue with us. <laughs> all strong ones, all strong contenders. Uh, you think there will be a bigger story than all those, Rachel Premack? You see anything uh, bubbling up under the surface? I, I honestly feel like those stories really just well summarize what's going on in trucking. You have all of this kind of frustration in terms of COVID and various regulations and laws and things that really restrict how people do their jobs. You have this, are we in a recession? Aren't we in a recession kind of argument that's really spread throughout the macro economy but it's interesting because it before before you know the rest of econ twitter finance twitter or what have you started debating like oh is this a recession is this not a recession we were talking about that in trucking months before mm -hmm. uh so it's it's I, yeah i i think looking at what's going on in trucking is really a great view of what's happening in the rest of the economy um for my own sake and sleeping schedule, I hope that the there aren't any more, you know, trucking stories that rival the massive protests earlier this year, uh, the collapse in spot market rates, and uh, this massive Supreme Court case. Uh, I hope things you know slow down a little bit, uh, but I I think those are definitely the three big stories. And honestly, I forgot about the the protest from earlier this year. I was like, oh yeah, that was. It, that it was almost, this year. I, it, yeah, it almost seems like, it almost seems like a December thing because uh, that whole topic yeah. just yeah. hasn't been as big this year. That was sort of like the the sort of foot. I think that kind of let maybe governments in North America yeah. know that you know people are a little a little yeah. fed up with this. They want to move on. They want to get to the the next stage. Well, one of the things that's been fueling a lot of that inflation and the costs on the drivers and the bloodbath has been fuel prices. Before we let you go. Um, you published an article last week that actually had kind of a negative prognosis about what's going to happen. Uh, do we not have fuel? Are fuel prices not going to continue going down? Yeah, so they've declined for the last six or seven weeks, especially on the diesel side, just talking about diesel for the sake of simplicity. But kind of overall, fuel prices have been declining these past few weeks and at this point, almost the past 
two months. Uh, but the, there are still quite a big few macro trends that are going to uh, limit just how, how much these prices are going to go down. So I talked to John Kingston, our commodities expert, uh, mm-hmm. on the topic. And the, the few big reasons why he believes that you know we're not out of the woods yet when it comes to diesel prices is that uh, inventories are still incredibly low when you look at uh, – how many, uh, like, what what our stores are for fuel across the U.S. Uh, they're just seasonally way lower than million, millions of barrels uh, fewer uh, than we normally are seeing for this time of year. Uh, you still have, you have effect from IMO 2020 that are drawing from uh, some of these diesel inventories. We have a potential natural gas crisis brewing in Europe that could also uh, draw on diesel inventories and uh, we're heading into harvest season in a few months. So right now, right now, diesel should be as low as it is for most of the year. Uh, and it will start to kick up once harvest season comes back into comes back in action. So the it doesn't look good. We don't know when exactly diesel prices will go back up again. But uh, the expectation is that, you know, the softening we've seen for the past uh, the past few weeks is probably not going to last much longer. Okay. Well, we hope you're wrong. We hope you're wrong as you usually yeah, are. Yeah, when you I, answer. Me too. <laughs> I, I hope that answer was as wrong as your typical answer to the wheel of stupid questions. Michael <laughs> Vincent, spin that thing. Let's see if she, uh, if she nails it this time. Yeah, there we 12 go. 12 times the charm. All right. Hey, are you ready? What is the greatest TV how I, show? How can I be wrong <laughs> See, for the Wheel of Stupid Questions? How can you have a wrong? The Hot, Wheels, the Hot Wheels answer was embarrassing. I'll agree. Because of this attitude, I think it, that's There it why. is. You just blew it again, man. You just blew it again. What is, <laughs> what is the greatest TV show theme song of all time? Mad Men has a great theme song. Mad Men. That's all. All right. She's giving us Mad Men. Mad Men. Right, okay. Go. Go subscribe to Modes. Go follow Rachel on the Twitter. R R P R E. I think. Is that that's it, right? R R P R E. That is right. All right, Rachel. Thank you for spending some time on Wednesday with us. Get back to work. Take care. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Mad Men. Good choice. I won't give. We'll give ours a little bit later. We'll give ours. I'm curious. I thought she was going to say Blossom. I'm curious what George is going to say. He's going to say George Abernathy, President of Merge. It's not the Nesson theme song. That can't be the best TV show theme song. At least if you've been watching the Sox in July or. August. George, what happened? I got such a bad taste in my mouth. They're ruining my summer. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it, it's awful. I mean, uh, you know, I got I got my I got my Ted Williams ball to uh, oh. you know, try to bring some level Ooh, of uh, it's just like, Look at that. Nothing nothing is good going on, guys. Uh it, you know, the uh the uh, the folks at EEI and they're ruining my summer is uh <laughs> is just horrible. I uh, I'm telling you, man, it's it's almost football season, thank goodness. Now, yeah, right. alumni, most alumni are usually welcome back here at Freight Alley, but this guy, Barry Carpenter, came back, and he brought he walked around the office giving people baseballs. And I'm like, oh, oh, nice, a baseball. Then I look at it, and it's a Billy Bean ball, George. Can you believe that? <laughs> I kicked him out of here. I said, you got to go, and I threw it in the Tennessee River. So sorry for littering, sorry for polluting, but it's floating somewhere now. I'm good. It's good, and but I got to say, Seeing the dude wearing the the referee jersey <laughs> brings back so many good memories, and the the, the debates that uh, have been that have been had by, well, you know, the bull and the bear. It's typically the bull and the buller, but uh, 
<laughs> Nobody's been more bearish uh, and accurate given uh, what's been seen in Freightways data than uh, than some of the guys that uh, help to uh, analyze your data. Yeah, it's so, been waiting in my desk just for this moment, George. Yes, he was really excited when he saw you on the run sheet. It, it looks it looks good on you. You do you do a lot better. Hey, is it is it true that you guys are going to be allowed to do a what the truck after dark? Do I need to? Do we need yeah. to have all small children and animals and pets be brought indoors? I mean, that, <laughs> that scares the dickens out of me. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming it's at the coming. end of the month. It's, it's going to be a good time. Actually, if the guy's in the back, yeah, I forgot I'm, to put that I, in the asset I, folder. I, if you can find that picture, throw I, it in I, here. Point I, point. I, I thought the restraining orders were out against you two being allowed <laughs> after night. So. <laughs> as long go. as we We're have a guardian, a guardian or a parent with us. Well, George, we'll we right. know we know what the <laughs> we know what the Red Sox awful schedule says about them. But what does procurement say about what's happening in the economy? And, you know, the CPI numbers came out this morning, too. So you're present at Emerge. What do you know about all that, George? The, um, uh, the what's happening about it is volatility. You you guys have seen it, but volatility is here to stay. Um, I, I like to talk about um, if I you know speaking somewhere, I, I kind of make it a you know Vincent and I you know would love to to do a drinking game, right? And if somebody says the new normal, take a shot. It's yeah. the newest yeah. normal that volatility is here, and what we're seeing uh, with regards to procurement uh, Dooner is it's incredibly active. And so the volatility combining with the technology, the freight tech that a company like an Emerge can can make available is is allowing shippers and carriers to collaborate in this time frame to actually do things that are timely and and, and hitting time frames that that make sense. Some of my freight as a shipper, it may make sense to try to secure capacity for a couple of years, but I've got volatility happening in certain geographies, in certain markets that say that I should try to secure this for the next three months and see where I stand at that point. Then that's what I'm doing. So um, I, I, I would describe the uh, the activity level that we're seeing in certain markets as being extremely busy. So what, what does this imply for the for the rest of the industry and the rest of the markets, George? This this extreme activity that you see. I think I think I think Michael. Um, am I allowed to call you Michael, or do I have to go with the dude? I remember when you were Michael. I yeah, mean, on this show, I'm the dude, brother. I, 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 all right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> channel my my Lebowski if I can. There you go. Um, what, what I think what I think it says on the market, and if you if you look at the different data as you guys do. Certain industries, and this really goes back to if you think about the pandemic, certain industries thrived and certain industries weren't, and you'll you'll see that in what we're uh, experiencing. A lot of pre-bid season activity happened with companies that were very busy, had a significant level of activity going, even with. The economy taking a bit of a downturn, the freight recession is as Craig, you know, had the early call on. There were certain markets that were still very active, and you saw a lot of activity there. And that's that's really, you know, that, that's really a good idea. I'm I'm taking advantage of what's going on in the supply and demand. And in certain areas where part of the economy, part of the freight areas may be in a slowdown. Other areas are pretty perky. If I'm pretty perky and there's 
capacity out there. There's uh, there's some level of supply that I can I can get my hands on and I can potentially retain for a longer period of time or a shorter period of time, whichever makes sense for me. I'm taking advantage of that. Wow. Well, George, drive-in rates, they have been flatlining since May. That's better than, I guess, it collapsing from January to May. Yeah, but they've been in a sort of low-level holding pattern between, you know, 190 and 199, and it's just been sitting there. But what will these inventory levels, we hear so much about it, that retailers have too much inventory. So what will these inventory levels do to freight demand as we move into peak season? Yeah, I think uh, it's, a, it's a great question. And I think that really, you know, relates to what I was just talking about. You're seeing on the retail side, you're hearing about the inventory levels, but in other areas, there there are and there there is any a very robust uh need for for the um for the equipment that that we've got out there so i think with that you know that depressed spot rate that just crashed so quickly and the impact that that had on those carriers those small carriers that came about because the spot rate was so high um i think you're i think you're in for a I guess I'd call it an electric bid season. I really do think hmm. you're going to see a lot of companies, even if my inventory levels are such that right now I'm 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 in a pattern where my manufacturing's having to deal with that. I I'm expecting for what's going to come around in 2023, and I've got to make sure that my capacity is in place. I'm I'm seeing what's happening in the spot market. I understand what will happen when you know the, the the wraparound occurs and what we're seeing is those who are very busy in their transportation networks are bidding significantly lots of mini bids lots of activity mm-hmm. trying to secure that capacity and even the folks that are sitting on some inventory are not sitting on the sidelines they realize they've got to secure their capacity and if they don't do so at this time frame where there's some opportunity to take advantage of that. And maybe those are the folks that will look to do an annual bid. And that's where I think the electricity of the bid season is. It won't be the standard old um, best practices. It won't be that everybody's running an annual bid in the fourth quarter to try to take advantage of carriers in the first quarter. Now, it'll be, and we're busy now, and we see an extraordinary amount of bids coming up between now and during bid season. And so I think that electric is the best word that I can use. Now, George, what am I, and that, that's all really interesting, uh, all really interesting to hear. Now, I can't wait to see you again, though. So I got a, I got a conference question for you, George. Uh, one of my favorite incidents at Fenway is the pizza thrower, when the guy took the pizza about 10 <laughs> years ago and he threw it from a few rows over and it landed on the guy's shoulder. If we could oh, have yeah. an incident like that happen at a freight conference, what would you like to see happen between two individuals? Wow, that's a that's a good one. So, well, I guess the the thing that you'd have to decide is who are the two individuals, right? Um, and then then I decide on you know what what kind of thing would happen, and that's where the referee jersey is, is going to come in. I think I think it depends on where the conference is, and maybe that's something that we should do if if you know a freight waves conference, you know, goes to Philadelphia, you get Bradford to go to Philadelphia. You, you, you take a cheesecake and you, a cheesesteak and you throw it at somebody, you know, if you, if you're in Chicago, it's a, if it's in Chicago, it's an Italian beef sandwich. Right. You know? So, um, and just so you know, Dooner, 
My 25-year-old had the opportunity last night to go to his first game at Wrigley. Um, in that balancing act between the uh, Fenway and Wrigley, uh, Fenway for ambiance and, and all the rest, though Wrigley has way more good seats. Oh, oh yeah, true. that's true. You can get Absolutely some in Fenway that are kind of angled at this odd angle and, and your knees get uh, get crushed and everything like that. But I got to tell you something, that w- believe it or not, that wasn't the stupid question that came up on the wheel. Can you it wasn't. Oh, yeah, boy. no, this, here's the stupid question. Uh, what is the greatest TV show theme song of all time? Uh, twofold answer. Well, I'm sorry, threefold answer for oh. you. Some people, some people don't, some people don't subscribe to it. But when I hear the Sopranos theme song, I know it's the Sopranos coming on. But people aren't going to have it. The one from my that I think is immediate generationally. And this, again, is our Boston Roots uh, Dooner is Cheers. Mm. You can't hear the piano and not know that. But I got to say, the Brady Bunch was such an earworm that I guarantee you for the balance of the afternoon, you're going to think about, you know, lovely ladies and all had hair of gold. So there you go. Three three pronged answer for you. And this this is a stupid question. I lose the bet. What did you pick? I thought he was going to say Benny Hill. Oh, I thought thought he was going to say MASH. (laughs) <laughs> I have, I have no idea. Good. I thought he was going to go with DuckTales, actually, because of his Disney background. DuckTales. The 80s DuckTales scene, that was a good one. Matt George, good. Uh, <laughs> George, people who want to learn more, want to connect with you, want to connect with Emerge, where do I send them to? Well, obviously, uh, G. Abernathy at EmergeMarket.com. Come to our, come to our website. You can, you, can, uh, you can find a lot of stuff there. We do a ton through LinkedIn, um, and uh, we've got some really cool things coming up with regards to uh, our benchmarking capabilities. And uh, like I said, the, the bid uh, activity is electric. So I appreciate it. It's always good to see you guys. We'll do the, uh, we'll do the next one in person and uh, yeah. you guys always, I appreciate I got, it. I got shirts and hats for you too. So next time I see you, or are you still in Chattanooga? Stop by the office. I'll give you some. I am in Ottawa right now. I, you guys can probably hear the thunder in the background. So yeah, it's, it's either moving like my way or moving your way. All right, George, we'll see you soon. Stop by. We'll make some arrangements. Take it easy, brother. Take care, boy. See you soon. Now, you know, we were just talking about Boston, but this gentleman that we're going to talk to next, I think he may have spent some time in Cambridge. He went to MIT. His name uh, is Mason Deneff. He's a senior economist over at Uber Freight. Sir, did you spend any time over in the uh, Commonwealth of Massachusetts where you're uh, with MIT? Uh, good morning. Thank you for good having morning. me on. I'm super <laughs> excited to be here. Yeah, so I spent four years in Cambridge. Uh, that was like, this is the closest to home to me. I'm originally from Lebanon, but Cambridge is the second home to me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So Bo- that's, I'm from Boston. So that's, that's like my second home. And oh, George and I were getting to nerd out. You ever get to a Sox game out there? Uh, I've not, uh, I watched a few Celtics games. I'm a basketball fan. Oh, yeah, there you go. Sorry. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah, well, the Red awesome. Sox right now, the Red Sox aren't in autopilot. Maybe they would be playing better if they were uh, uh, guided by autonomy. I know that you've been working hard and you've released a report on the roadmap to autonomy for Uber Freight. Before we get into that, tell us a little bit about where Uber Freight is at with autonomy and that partnership that you guys have with Waymo and Aurora. Yeah, that's uh, the great question. So we have a couple of key partnerships. Uh, we are currently piloting uh, autonomous freight with uh, with Aurora, and we have just established a long-term partnership with Waymo. And this partnership will will guarantee that Uber Freight will have uh, billions of autonomous uh, miles uh, provided by Waymo trucks on our network. 
Yeah. Now, do you report that you brought out there that you that you had said that uh, approximately 5000 lives have been lost, uh, I guess, in crashes each year since 2018. And last year was a record 13 percent year over year increase in those. Um, and so it's, I guess autonomy is really a, a, a safety is a selling point of autonomy. Right. And it's almost ironic at the same time you you have to quell the fears of the public about this autonomous uh, uh, technology in order to increase the safety, right? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, it's unfortunate that we have like 5,000 lives lost every year due to tracking accidents. Uh, the surprising thing is that 87% of these are due to human error. So really the majority of these are not problems with the track or, the, with, the, or with the infrastructure. It's mostly human errors. And that's where we think autonomy can save lives, can really like make our roads safer for everyone. Uh, some people are skeptical. We understand that. We know that a lot of people don't trust robots on the roads. Uh, but I personally think that whenever you see an autonomous vehicle or an autonomous truck on the road, it should have been perfectly vetted and perfectly tested and it should be safer than your average driver, much safer. Well, I was reading in the report, too, it said Uber Freight envisions a future where autonomous trucks and human drivers operate alongside one another. So when autonomous trucks come up, the first thing the drivers say are these going to take our job. So as part of your roadmap, let's address that. What do you envision autonomy to look like? Yeah, so this is one of the key questions we wanted to answer with this research, because we, we are strong believers in this technology. We just wanted to understand what effect will it have on our drivers. Uh, will it be something that, will it be a catastrophic scenario where it will replace all of drivers, or will it be actually something that, that complements their jobs and makes their lives easier? Uh, so to answer this question, we started looking at data. We started looking at trends in supply, freight supply and freight demand. Uh, if you look at freight demand first, uh, the source we use the most is the freight analysis framework, which is the, the most comprehensive publicly available freight data out there. Uh, it's on the Bureau of Transportation Statistics website. Uh, it's available. You can download it and experiment with the data. Uh, and they project that by 2050, we'll have about like a 60 to 70% growth in freight. Uh, this is a huge growth. So do we have enough drivers to sustain this growth? Uh, to answer this question, we also looked at data from the BLS data, which provides data on driver employment. When we look at, at how much drivers we have, uh, it's a completely different story. Uh, first, we observe a, a trend where the existing driver population is aging. So uh, drivers are getting old, the existing drivers are getting older and older. And this is not an industry that's very attractive to younger generations. Uh, so we fear that we, we, we will have some sort shortage sometime. Uh, it doesn't feel like that now because currently the market feels oversupplied. But if we take out the cyclicality of the market, there's definitely a long-term trend where we have less and less drivers every uh, by the day. The second trend we observed was that uh, the distribution of drivers is not even. Uh, if you look at the past decade, drivers have grown the most in local driving and local tracking. And the slowest growth was in long distance tracking. Uh, well, what does it mean for, for freight? Uh, it means that we have a significant shortage out there uh, in this particular sector, which is long distance driving. Uh, for example, over the past year, this growth has been only about 10%, which is very, very like small compared to the growth in freight demand. 
so what, what, is, what does this mean? It means that we will have a mismatch in the future. If the current trends continue, we will have a mismatch between supply and demand. We will have a mismatch between the growth of supply and the growth of demand. And that's, that's where we believe that this technology will come in. It will fill this gap. So it will give this, it will fill the gap, particularly in long distance driving. So, uh, yeah. So amazing. You're bringing up that point. It, it, you, you guys talk about a hub to hub kind of network, right? And being from LTL, hub to hubs, hub and spoke, et cetera, the relay system makes perfect sense to me. Can you explain how that works and how that really fills that gap that you're talking about there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, the hub-to-hub model has a perfect product market fit just because of that. So with this model, a human driver will take care of the first mile and the human driver will take part to take care of the second last mile, which is the first and last part of the trip. Well, the autonomous truck will drive on the middle mile, what we call the middle mile, which is the highway segment in between. Uh, so why does this fill the gap? Just because it, it is perfectly complementary with the existing driver's preferences. So we have seen drivers shifting over time from long distance driving to local driving. So we let the drivers do the local driving on the first mile and last mile, and we let the autonomous truck drive on the middle mile, which is just like the long distance highway driving. Uh, this is easier from a technological standpoint as well, because from a technological dr- standpoint, it's very, very difficult to support all the capabilities for uh, like surface street driving. Uh, it is doable. We believe it is doable on the long term, but it will take years to support all of these capabilities. Uh, but if we look at highway driving, it makes it it makes the problem less of a moonshot. Uh, so it not only it perf- uh, it complements driver preferences, but it's also complementary with like the technological development of this technology. It will allow this technology to be on the roads earlier. And it will allow companies to start generating revenues and profits uh, earlier before reaching full autonomy. Now, in OTR, when it when a driver goes out, they can stop at loves. They can, you know, do the rest time. They can fuel the man as hands or the woman as hands. They can fill the truck up themselves. They know where to put it, and they can deal with any exceptions on the road. Like let's say there's yeah. an accident. Trucks hit things a lot. They hit things like deer. They need new grills. They need new parts. They need new repairs. How does this deal with that during the middle mile? Um, or is there a driver involved? Are we still in that safety driver stage? How does this? How does that look? At least in the next you know, f- near future of the fi- next five years? Yeah, that's a great question. And the answer is that, yes, we will always have humans involved, not necessarily a driver in the vehicle, but we will have some remote assistance operations uh, where someone can take control of the truck in case something happens, in case something unexpected happens. Someone can always control the truck and drive it to safety. That's awesome. So, so tell me about it. What, what is the next step or what is the next goal in the autonomous industry? Uh, so I think the next, the next goal is to like, start establishing some operations where, where there's no driver in the vehicle. Currently, we're seeing a lot of uh, autonomous testing. We see autonomous trucks on the roads. Most of the time, we have drivers in the vehicle. Uh, when we start taking the drivers out of the vehicle and start implementing this hub-to-hub model where drivers can take care of the first mile and last mile, this is the next big, big step. Next, can we do this in a consistent manner? Can we, and, and then can we scale this to multiple lanes as well? Well, what did you learn? Because you're kind of already doing this with Powerloop, right? If I'm not mistaken, what have you learned from Powerloop about like do's and do not do's when thinking about deploying an autonomous network? Yeah, so so Powerloop is uh, Uber Freight's shared trailer solution, uh, and Powerloop really enables uh, enables the hub-to-hub model. 
so what we learned is that to implement the hub-to-hub model, we really need to have uh, drop trailers or dro- a drop trailer capability. It just makes things more efficient. From a technological standpoint, you don't need it. But from an efficiency standpoint, it definitely makes things better. Uh, why is that? Because if you think about how the hub-to-hub model works, uh, drivers are spending their time. Uh, the last thing you want is drivers to be waiting to load and unload, to wait for two hours to load and then drive for one hour only and two hours to like to load. To, so that's a lot of time wasted. Uh, and Powerloop will really like fix this problem and makes things much more efficient and much more profitable. What so was... the do yeah, yeah, no, sorry, finish up. Uh, fin- no, finish yeah, up. So, so drop trailer is extremely impl- important. And then keeping drivers uh, and trucks fully utilized is also extremely important. So density is like the density of loads is is very, very important to, to make uh, the most out of, out of this hub to hub model. Now, if you had to make a prediction now, right, like how far into the future are we talking about here? How long until it would be pretty typical for someone to go on Uber Freight and book a load and it would be an autonomous truck that was handling some of that journey? Uh, so I, w- I wouldn't make a prediction because I think this is something that is gradual. So it's not a flip of a switch that you'll wake up someday and you'll have like autonomous trucks all over the roads. Uh, I believe this is a technology that will spread incrementally and gradually. Uh, hopefully like in a year, a couple of years from now, you'll start seeing some deployment without a driver on the on the roads. And then it will expand to more lanes in the coming years. Uh, Hopefully it will expand uh, nationally within a few years, Uh, but it's going to be incremental. Awesome. All right, Mason, first time on the show, I believe. So you got to go to the world wheel of stupid questions, right? Yeah. All right. So we spun it earlier and hopefully you weren't listening because we want to get the full reaction from you. What is the greatest TV show theme song of all time? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Uh, so I I don't watch a lot of TV, but the last show I watched was Bridgerton because of my girlfriend. Oh. I really loved all the remakes of the of the new songs that they just remade them with classical music. So there you I go. There you go. All right, I like I'll it. Take I like it. it. Hey, thank awesome. You, thank you very much for telling us a little bit about that roadmap here, giving us a little better understanding, letting us know how drivers. Uh, you, how you plan to incorporate drivers with uh, Uber Freight. I'm sure someone will be happy to hear that, you know, it's, it's not an entirely antagonistic thing that that they're looking to create efficiency within the supply chain, at least with the, uh, the network that you all are trying to do over there. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you so much. Take it easy, guys. It's awesome. Awesome. Very interesting. And it employs a lot of things that we were talking about before where it's going to develop. It makes a lot of sense. It does. I mean, and look, you, you, like drivers, of, of course, there's going to be a natural fear for uh, sure for autonomous trucks and what they bring in. I think there will be sort of issues. I think some of the things do get glazed over, like the amount of repairs that trucks need and what can happen on the road without a driver. I mean, a remote driver might be able to help, but um, it does seem like the being thought of. I thought the safety thing was interesting too, because the public is is kind of like afraid, but safety is like the big selling point that they're trying to sell on. It it is really interesting. It's a hard question to ask because I also believe that the autonomous stuff can increase safety. For sure. But then you get these reports and people get very, very scared of it, and myself included. Well, what if you're that guy who's distracted by singing, though? Distracted by what? Singing. Uh, well, then you're in trouble. <laughs> well, anyways, meanwhile, <laughs> you, need it, you need some good stuff. Take a look here. What are morons up to on the road today? Oh, this guy's going to get a squeeze. Oh, here comes the orange juice. He's peeling them apart. See, that guy needed autonomous. That was, yeah, those weren't autonomous trucks. No.
I don't think that car was on. Uh, the car did not have lane departure technology on it. It didn't because that would beep like crazy. If oh, yeah, man. It'd be, it like it'd be going insane. It'd be going crazy. in the juice. All right. Well, try safe out there, people. Search Transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Non-competes chase away good talent and stop talented people from joining the supply chain industry. Tear up your non-compete. It's not enforceable. Instead, you got to email jobs at searchtranspotation.com. And do what, Michael Vincent? Open your own office tomorrow. All right, it's Rooster. <laughs> and Super Trucker. <laughs> hey, boys. Oh, I don't get a noise. Hey, hey. Super Trucker doesn't have his own sound? <laughs> he needs his own bumper. I don't know, Sue. What kind of bumper would, would come out of you? Horn. A fart? I don't know. A vuvuzela? <laughs> My wife would agree fart. <laughs> Rooster, uh, Rooster, we were hearing some rumblings, and I know you did a podcast that's coming out tomorrow talking to someone who's uh, thinking about organizing, or they did organize a protest at the Port of Baltimore. Has anything come up from there? I've heard from some sources they didn't expect much out of this one. They expect many boots on the ground, but I haven't looked into it since. Yeah, that, well, you, uh, we had a podcast recording with Billy Randell of uh, Truckers Movement for Justice. They're the organization that's setting up this uh, what's to be a protest at Port of Baltimore that was supposed to begin today, running through Friday. Hmm. Uh, try to reach out to our contacts online, but so far it's been radio silence, which is kind of yeah. unusual. Usually they get back to us real quick. So I uh, don't know if this is going hush, hush or what. I try to check out the uh, street cams around the Port of Baltimore, but they're all aimed out at the nice boat docks <laughs> and not uh, out toward the huh. uh, container yard. So uh, hmm. can't see what's going on that way. But we had we had a nice conversation with Billy. You know, he's old school, thirty year old veteran. Uh, uh, has some good stories about uh, starting up Truckers Movement for Justice. You know, it's kind of aimed toward the the far left po- uh, post post Hoffa style of worker organization. Uh, non corporatized, no figurehead structure, but a you know a, a organic group of people coming together for a single cause, which will be kind of harder for the ports to deal with since they don't have a figurehead to you know, mount on the wall like they did over at a uh, port of Oakland here recently. Well, what are they, so what are they like, what are they protesting at this port? Are they AB five like that? It not going national or something, not going to, to affect them. Well, this is that, well, so, sort of a little bit about AB five also mainly this is about wages, you know, oh. Uh, similarly to what we saw at the, the protest port of Houston gets HUD. Uh, this is, you know, wages are down and, you know, with the whole inflation recession, whatever you want to call it, whatever they change the definition to nowadays, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like the drivers there that are working at the ports are kind of having to deal with the slowdown of not having enough turns to make mm. a living wage. Yeah. They might need a strong. They might need like he might need like a stronger lead though to get to get people like coming down than than just just that. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, they're all frustrated with it and working on that stuff. But to yeah. get independent people to kind of almost unionize to fight union stuff is yeah, it's kind of like it's a where, difficult, it, you know, it's difficult like a paradox. Squeeze. Yeah, yeah. It's a catch twenty two, Justin. Justin, what do you do in a situation like that? It would be you'd be very conflicted, wouldn't you? Well, look what I did was I just quit and I went somewhere else. That's true. That is true. Well, no, who's not quitting. Out. No, who's not quitting while he's ahead. Justin's or, a quitter. Well, no, who's not quitting while he's ahead or behind. It's Elon. Look, he tweeted this out at one twenty-five in the morning my time. I guess it was yesterday his time. It was Tesla. He said Tesla five hundred mile range semi truck starts shipping this year. 
Cybertruck next year. We have heard this a billion times. Rooster, even when I sent this over to you, you were like, well, didn't Pepsi get some of these in January? Like I, I read, an, I know I read an article that said they were getting some and it was yeah. like, keyword was like, will be. And then you look up the follow-up will. and it's like, yep, they still haven't gotten them. No, they still no, haven't no, gotten no, them. Go. Uh, Justin, what do you think? Do you think this will actually come out by the end of the year, Tesla Semi? No, not at this rate. They don't have the batteries um, and they don't have the manufacturing. Not that there isn't any demand. Like everybody wants these trucks. You know, there's a lot of anticipation and excitement about the trucks, but you know, it's it's not as easy as building a car, as we're learning. Wow, is he trying to prevent people from getting their five hundred dollars back for the Cybertruck? Is that what he's doing? What do you mean? I mean, didn't you put five hundred dollars? No, you put one hundred dollars. That's always back? refundable. Oh, it is. yeah. Okay. Why don't you do a little research on these pre-orders before you start talking I smack about it? Not order Lord Elon he, over here. You, you're the one who spent. No, I'll say he, you know what though? I will say this. Ago. Look, he says Cybertruck. I don't believe that for a second. I've had a pre-order since 2019. I haven't gotten a single update ever. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If I didn't have Twitter, I would not know what's going on with my Cybertruck. I thought maybe he sent that message directly to you. Rooster, what do you think? Rooster, there was some, <laughs> there's been a lot of weird stock sell-offs by Elon recently. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, it's it's for like the Twitter thing. But then some people are saying, well, he only did the Twitter thing so he could sell off the stock and have a reason to do it. Um, but you always get curious when he starts pumping the semi, the Cybertruck, the full self-driving that are not out while also dumping a bunch of stock at the same time. What was your read on that, Rooster? Well, uh, from the... F- August the 5th or August the 8th, Elon filed three, I believe it was three form fours with SEC to, you know, notify them he was selling off big chunks of stock. And uh, doing some research here, uh, it is about time for that uh, Q2 tax to be paid. And Elon has a history of pumping the dump in the stock right about tax time so he could pay in his billions and billions of dollars of taxes that he supposedly pays. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Manipulating uh, stock prices? Is that what we're implying? Well, he's been, I'm just saying there's been people who've accused him of that before. The accusations have been there before. Allegedly. Allegedly. Once is an accident, twice is a coincidence, and three times is a a fact pattern. So, yeah, right. Well, guys, what do we know about their fleet management software? That's a new thing that they've been talking about more. And I'm sure a lot of the autonomous companies, Uber Freight, that we just talked to, all of them are going to want a piece of that nugget of managing the autonomous fleet being the, the brains behind it. Do we know anything about Teslas? I have never seen like a demo or a beta of this, but in this article I was reading from Tech Australia that was talking about the semi coming up, they seem to think that this fleet management software was going to be a big revenue stream. Keyword is being was. You know, so far, it's, it's vaporware, just like the yeah. just like the Cybertruck and the semi trucks. It's all vaporware for now. I want to be pleasantly surprised, but you know, so far, nothing. Wow. Well, Pete Botkin on LinkedIn, he said, "I will make a tofu sandwich with the soles of my loafers and live stream me eating it." If Tesla ships a single semi to a customer this year, you are welcome to come on this show yes. if that happens and you need to eat uh, your tofu. Yeah, sandwich. I would like to stream that live. Yeah, that's a well bet. <laughs> Anyone, one truck. I mean, if you had a bet, what side of the bet are you on? Are you on team? It's coming out this year, or, or team? I, I, I mean, I wouldn't put money on it. I'm on team. I want a refund. I, do, I, I mean, mean we've been do. waiting on these things since 2019. By God, I mean it's it's said and done. Well, the funniest thing it's about the Tesla left. one. Wait, Tesla- wait, 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 hey, hey, we got Holly on out. We got Nikola out. Yeah. We got all these other products that have trucks that are actually have test models out rolling on the road. Hmm. And what do we got for Elon? A whole lot of nada. <laughs> yeah, a whole lot of talk. A lot of talk. Well, he might be busy solving these problems. Take a look at this video 
right here with this Tesla did to them kids, man. Look at these things. They're <laughs> testing two different cars. One of them is using LiDAR, I believe, and the other is using Tesla's proprietary software. It's supposed to by someone named, uh, oh, and you hear that? That kid is dead. It. That kid's not alive anymore. That kid was just erased from the Hello. earth. Thankfully, Vaporized. he was a dummy. But Taylor Oregon, he says uh, the black car on the right that does stop for the dummies equipped with LiDAR from Luminar Tech, a technology Tesla still refuses to use in its production vehicles, though Tesla does use LiDAR to test how far off the distances its camera's estimates are from what it can actually do. Um, LiDAR is the same technology used in autonomous vehicles, which Tesla incidentally does not have, yet they talk quite a bit about going autonomous and FSD. Yeah, it appears that, that Tesla just, it has a pressure plate on the front that hits the brakes after you hit something. I don't know, you think that tech <laughs> is gonna work well in a semi, Justin? No, every time I talk to somebody that has like an autonomous system, that's the first thing I ask them is, does it use LiDAR or does it use uh, the system? T Tesla system is like object recognition. It's constantly rolling images and beaming them to computers to crunch the data to try and recognize what it's looking at. And that's where a lot of these accidents happen, where the camera sees something, guesses wrong, and then the driver gets killed, or in this case, the, the child mannequin. Wow. Well, that I, doesn't seem like a very good system. Now, to be fair, I think uh, like Aurora and Waymo actually are using these LiDAR systems yes. in their trucks. That's yeah. what Uber Freight is using. Tesla is, you know, they're just hell-bent on using their their own system for whatever reason. Would it yeah, make you nervous? Even even places that aren't autonomous, LiDAR is in everything. If you have a car that has accident, collision avoidance, that's LiDAR. Anything yeah. that's beaming something in front of the car to judge the distance and the speed of the object in front of you, that's LiDAR. Oh, okay. All right. Make you nervous, Rooster? Uh, well, I've had to deal with collision mitigation systems on my Freightliner for the past, oh, I think they yeah. rolled them out five years ago. And uh, they work. I mean, they will find something and stop, and uh, you will feel like you're going to go through the windshield when they hit those brakes for mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Yes, you do. <laughs> it is a weird sometimes. feeling. It's sort of like when you have, uh, like, the smart cruise control that, like, it makes its own decision yes. on that you're too close to yeah. tailgating the other person. Yeah. It's a little offsetting at first. It, it is, especially when someone's slowing that, down a turn in front of you and you think yeah. you might hit them. It gets there's that back. viral video of that Volvo truck slamming on its brakes before hitting a kid overseas. You know, just put yeah. those two videos side by side, LiDAR versus object detection. Right. So, hey, we're talking about EVs, and you know that the $7,500 tax credit for buying one, right? So check this out. Ford just, <laughs> Ford just spent it for you. Yeah. Ford just spent it for you. They're announcing they're raising their prices on the Lightning by $8,500. Wow. I thought they'd come out with like $74.99 and make it less obvious. Yeah. But, well, now you're $1,000 worth. Oh, oh. <laughs> hey, what about market adjustment rates, man? Come on. I got about that. I mean, doesn't it, Justin? Doesn't be it be $70,000 by the time they hit the floor? Right Justin, on. does it seem a little rigged? Doesn't the system seem rigged? They're like, we're going to put that. And like, like, here's the obvious thing. OEMs go, oh, there's $7,500 of free money out there for consumers. Great. We'll figure out a way to spend that. We're just going to raise the price of our cars if you want to do anyway. It's always the batteries. It's always the batteries. Now scale that up to the semis. You know, the pickup truck has nowhere near the battery requirement that a semi will. What do you think your deposit on a Tesla semi is going to go? Mm. exactly well and for these trucks too i mean i guess what they have to be careful here is the base went from that forty thousand, which is just like seats and a steering wheel up to that's the now it's mm -hmm. 4700 yeah. or 4800 whatever it is um all the that way up to 
uh, you can get into the hundred thousands, uh, especially the, uh, over a hundred thousand when you talk about these. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. However, if you spend eighty thousand or more on this type of truck, you're not going to get the rebate. So you don't get anything. Yeah. But here's the thing, too. Here's what seems stupid about these rebates: is are are the regular people who these would help the most? Are they even buying EVs? Can they buy EVs with these dealer markups? It doesn't seem that way. We're looking for a new car. I can't find an EV hybrid at the moment uh, without some giant markup. Justin, how's your luck been? Well, we bought a Subaru about a year ago, and I don't plan on buying another car for at least another. Probably, hopefully, I can get a good seven years out of this thing. Oh yeah, you should out of Subaru. But yeah, we, we, we've, we've avoided any kind of hybrids or electrics for now. For now, I would love to um, get an electric eventually. Wait, we yeah, have a hybrid. Subaru's coming out with one in another year. Uh, look, we have a hybrid. It's great. I actually asked Thomas Healy when I was down at Hylion, and I was like, which mm. technology like is the most interest, which is the most popular? And he's like, unfortunately, a lot of people don't like the hybrid. If they want to make the jump, they want to make the full jump. But like, we don't have the charging and the infrastructure to make no, the full we don't. jump. In the meantime, like something like my wife's car, it's a hybrid. It can get like 44 miles to a gallon versus that same type of car getting like 22 miles a gallon. So at least you're, you know, you're doubling it there. You're not having to run extension cords uh, from everyone's house across the sidewalk in the city because you got to charge these stupid things. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Volkswagen diesels get 40. No, wait a minute. No, they don't. Sorry. <laughs> what? Hey Rooster, you ever like, we got another video here? You ever have this happen to you? It's always tricky to get a load from Florida. I came to Fort Myers to pick up train parts 20k pounds. In real, they had to train chassis approximately 40k pounds, and the main problem was that train was still on track. They said it will take a couple of days to take it apart. The broker said to wait, and he will solve this issue in two hours. Wait. Hold on. Two hours to take this train apart. Set up the crane. Load the train on another truck and then load chassis on my truck. Is that really Come the train? Come on. I left in 10 minutes and this MF didn't pay me anything for cancellation. <laughs> I love Plus 140 miles <laughs> and half of my day. Wow. Better go empty to Georgia. <laughs> to get a load from Florida. The hell hall strikes again. Rooster, did that, res did that resonate with you at all? You ever find yourself in one of those situations? Uh, I, I called the the the, uh, the back call out of Florida the hell hall because you're always going to get bit really hard in the rear end off of it. I mean, come on. This is one of those cases when you need it. When you book a load with a broker, you need to get all the details before you even start heading that way. But Justin, you and think that was really like, the train? Justin, do you think that was the, that was the train that you needed to have Yeah, I mean, bust, bust out the cutting torch on the Sawzall. <laughs> it looked like an abandoned subway car. I, I, maybe that was just driver loading assist needed. I want to believe that that was the train. Yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely because. Hey, uh, uh, all right, Super Trucker, Justin, I want you to take a look at this right here and then give me a grade on this uh, this driver's uh, moves here, my friend. Check this out. It's a long though, so he's already he's already uh, handicapping himself. Look at this. Ooh, yeah, yeah, well, that guy pulled out of nowhere. He had to go across a, a few lanes across. of traffic. Yeah, is is that the right move to make in that situation, Justin? Or where do you toss if you find yourself what this guy is confronted with? Well, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but you know he kept it upright, didn't dump the trailer, didn't jackknife, didn't hit anybody. That's about. As good as you can hope in a situation like that. Yeah. Maybe uh, stop at the Flying J and get those bugs off the windshield. Yeah, that is such <laughs> a <laughs> change bridges. That might help a little bit. Yeah. Rooster, are you seeing the same thing Justin is, or or you think this was a, a great move, or, or maybe or a crazy move? Hell, the 
the quote launch pad McQuack, any crash you can walk away from is a good one. And, you know, he kept it up. Like just said, it's upright. It's rolling. Uh, get out, watch that, watch those love bugs off the windshield, man. I mean, I know it's season, yeah. but I'm going to do a better <laughs> job than that. That was brutal. And those of you out here only listen to the audio version. There is a video version of the show as well that airs live on tv.freightwaves.com. It's on Freightwaves LinkedIn and it streams, streams live on Freightwaves YouTube. So you can, and you can also catch it on demand in any of those places if you're curious <laughs> exactly what we're talking about here. Um, I got another one. We were talking about this in our Slack channel last night. We were really curious. Let's roll this tape on here. I'm curious what went down here. Does, do we have sound on these things? I was curious if this was some, curious if this was some kind of hit. And what what makes me kind of sketch about this or makes it look kind of suspect is how long he is pushing this car from. It doesn't look like he just like hit him, and that's the brakes that just can't stop in time. If I was in that car, Michael Vincent, I would assume yeah. that like a bunch of men are going to run over with machine guns and shoot me when that stops. Yeah, it, it guys, he just like won an election, right? It's a politician in there, it's isn't it? It's a politician Bruce, in there from some odd country. Yeah, Bruce, what the hell is? What was going on here? Uh, there was a, one of the parliamentarians from over in India. He had just left us off the yeah. the the parliament building and was going home, you know, driving by himself when he got broadsided and uh, pushed a half a kilometer. I mean, this wasn't just, a, you know, a few feet. This is 500 meters, like, and, you know, the citizen guy got out. He was fine. He was able to walk. He wasn't hurt that bad. He, of course, went to the police station, uh, filed a criminal charges against the driver. <laughs> Yeah, they don't know if this was a political hit or if this was just uh, some weird accident. But you know, it looked weird. Uh, he was fine. He walked away <laughs> unscathed. There was there was no men that ran over with ski masks and machine guns. So, if I it guess, was a hit, it was a poorly executed one. I'll show you I was a just hit. Gonna say that you want to yeah, see a poorly you want to hit? Check this one. You want to see a poorly, poorly executed, executed hit? Let's take a look at this next <laughs> tape right here. You, you guys ever get into a throwdown at the uh, at the truck stop? Look, look, watch these two gentlemen over here. A gentleman might be, uh, you know, giving him a little more credit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he's got a really nice kick, though. He's got a nice roundhouse he's going to throw. <laughs> I had a laughed and walked uh, away. Yeah, well, he is. He is, too. He's going to show you his butt crack, get back in his truck, and, and go back about his day. Are but they he... getting into the same truck or different? No, truck? no, no. <laughs> That'd be great truck. if they're team drivers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Are they teams? <laughs> You know, these two are going I've seen to this happen between teams. These guys are going to like the Atlanta area tomorrow alone. They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna storm Atlanta. They're gonna have a little buddy, <laughs> they're gonna have a little buddy comedy going oh, didn't on. Didn't we do a story about a team driver driving over his, his team? It's his buddy, yeah. yeah, his yeah, buddy. yeah. By the way, I want to show you a real quick video. You're stuck in a truck stop, you you uh you're in the middle of nowhere, you're not nervous. Check out this advice. Finally gonna call it a night. I got way too sleepy to keep driving, so I found the closest spot that I can pull over to the side of the road safely. And I parked my truck, and now I'm gonna get ready for bed. Whenever I stay in the middle of nowhere, I always make sure to do the seabot trick. The locks doesn't fully work, so sometimes it locks and sometimes it doesn't. So I always do the seabot trick because I've had people try breaking into my truck before, and the seabot trick has helped me out. Who would have thought sleeping in the semi truck is actually this comfortable? It's probably one of the most comfortableest, coziest places to sleep in, especially when you have these Mexican cobijas. To be honest, the white truck is way more comfortable than this one. Nice. People are giving him trouble. Rooster, people are giving this guy trouble on TikTok for... You can stop that video. People were... Stop that video. People are giving him trouble on TikTok for wearing a pair of jeans. I don't know. Smart move, though, putting the seatbelt around the door handle. Uh, yeah. Best security measure you can take is taking that seatbelt out, wrapping it around the door handle, then locking it in. Justin, oh, you, ever, I mean, you, take, you ever have yeah, someone try to break trap. in your truck, Justin? 
Not while I was sleeping. Uh, overnight, I had a lot living in Ohio trying to break in because it was like oh. minus 10 outside. Okay, okay we're going to have to hear that story next <laughs> I time. Just, I just but we're out of time. Go to backtotruckup.com. Follow at Back the Truck. Find Rooster Beats. You find Super Trucker. Find me at Timothy Dooner um, on Twitter. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Don't be a stranger and tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere.